Welcome to the Richard Rants Show. Welcome to the Richard Rants Show. Thank you for joining me on this fine Wednesday, May 6th. To my live podcast talking about politics and matters that matter. Rant and resist. Peace and love. Glad to be here. We got some things to talk about. I do take comments on my Facebook Live and I take phone calls from those of you who have my number. And this show used to be on public access television until the studio closed. Welcome. Welcome to the Richard Rance Show. I'm going to start talking today about a film that I just watched. The new film released by Michael Moore with his Rumble Productions company called Planet of the Humans a film which has immediately generated a lot of controversy, as Michael Moore's films always do. I listen to his podcast every day, Rumble with Michael Moore, and he's a familiar, thoughtful voice, human, and I like to hear what he has to say. He released this film, and it is, as Bill McKibben describes it, a bomb in the middle of the environmental movement. Those who are vehemently arguing against even this film's right for existence, and I was about the 6,437,642nd viewer of the film since it was released about a couple of weeks ago. And members of the environmental movement who are called out and confronted in a way by this film predictably have reacted very negatively to it. And some of these activists are highly respected, and they have my respect. For instance, Bill McKimmon, the founder of 350.org, who has been a stalwart of the environmental industry for his entire life and wrote a scathing rebuttal to the film in which he at one point, and I'll go to one of the more positive aspects of this rebuttal, he points out that he helped to found and build uh, climate movements he started organizing in 2007, formed Step It Up. He nationalized the fight or helped to nationalize the fight over the Keystone XL pipeline. He helped launch a divestment fight with the writing and the Do the Math campaign. He helped to solidify and unify the fight against banks, asset managers, and insurance companies that fund the fossil fuel movement. We can't argue, I don't think we can argue that he's played an intrinsic and essential role in the movements that he has helped build 
have played an intrinsic and essential role in fighting the fossil fuel industry. So he does come to the table with a lot of credibility. Some of the points that he uses, and you know, I would I would recommend that you check out Michael Moore's film, Planet of the Humans, with the caveat that it is very emotionally affecting. And it doesn't actually give a lot of answers. It does provide a lot of questions about the viability of the approach of the green industry, green energy industry, to countering the effects of the decimation of this planet's ecology, ecological infrastructure, the animals, the forests, of which climate change is a huge factor, but not the only factor by any means. It has been known since the 50s that burning fossil fuels and increasing the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere causes climate change. It's been known since the 50s. These are some of the points that are pointed out in this documentary. Since the 70s, we've had a very active environmental movement that, among other things, has been fighting the fossil fuel industry and fighting to reduce fossil fuel emissions and pollution of many kinds. And indeed, we've made many advances. It was pointed out that rivers used to catch on fire regularly, that toxic waste was dumped into rivers, that the air was so polluted that you couldn't see through it as a flock of wild parrots go over my airy here in San Francisco. The environment in many ways has improved. And this is something that I'm bringing up that perhaps is not accentuated in the film. But by other measurements, in that time since the 70s, our planet has suffered enormously. Since the 70s, something like 90% of the fish in the ocean are gone. Over half of the species on the planet, I believe, I am approximating, have gone extinct or nearly extinct. The major aquifers supplying fresh water to humankind on this planet are going to be exhausted within the next calculations vary. It could be from a decade to three or four decades, but at the rate we're going, it won't be that long by historical standards. The population of the earth has what quadrupled in the past hundred years after growing pretty slowly for the previous couple of thousand well, the list does go on for how our environment and our planet has reached a point of near death and collapse. And in an accelerated way, 
since the environmental movement started gaining strength in the 70s. So on an objective scale of measurement, if you say, well, the environmental movement got going in the 70s and has been growing since then, which is true, and then you look at what progress has been made, we can point to some areas of progress. Many rivers got cleaner. Air pollution in many cities went down. But overall, on Earth, the situation has become increasingly dire. And one of the main culprits in this change is capitalism. And this is something that Michael Moore accentuates, and there are many other critics who have zeroed in on the capitalist structure and capitalist expectations for a major reason that the earth is being destroyed. Something Michael Moore points out is that on Wall Street, a company must grow. Profits must continually grow throughout the world through a capitalist-oriented measurement. Every economy must grow. Economic growth is perhaps the most important measurement of success in the world for judging whether a country is doing well or not. Now, there are other important measurements, quality of life, span of life, how long people live, and sometimes these are related to economic growth and often they are not. Often economic growth comes at the expense of people's well-being, people's individual well-being, which is part of the reason that the healthcare system in the United States is profit-oriented because the focus is on profit, not on caring for people. In other countries, that is not the case. But the fact that economies must continually grow means that production must continually increase which means that exploitation of the world's resources must continually increase. The film Planet of the Humans points out that production of green energy uses enormous amounts of fossil fuel and rare minerals and also must be backed up with fossil fuel and rare minerals. And these are valid criticisms to make. Criticisms that Bill McKibben perhaps downplays in his rebuttal to some of the charges in Planet of the Humans. And I thought it was particularly scathing in the movie <clears throat> to see Bill McKibben sitting down with representatives from Goldman Sachs, the investment company, the multi-billion dollar investment company, to discuss how to fund green energy. And Al Gore, uh, the representative's last name is Blood, 
and Al Gore's partnership with him was not called Blood and Gore, as the movie jokes. It was called, uh, I don't have the name at my fingertips. But to ally with people like Goldman Sachs and other representatives such as coming from even the Koch brothers is shocking. One of the criticisms or rebuttals that Bill McKibben has against Michael Moore's movie is that they say that he's funded by fossil fuel or by um, that he didn't take any money from fossil fuel interests. He says he never took a penny from fossil fuel producers. Well, in the film, he's shown hemming and hawing in an interview when he was asked where his funding is coming from. And any organization head would know that would be one of the first things that they know is where their funding is coming from, but he didn't know. He was unable to name the funders of his organization. It wasn't until he was pressed by the interviewer about taking money from Rockefeller's foundation where he said, oh, yes, well, they helped us out at the beginning. And then when the interviewer pressed him further, he admitted that, well, yes, in fact, they're one of our funders. So he came across as not entirely forthright about that. And in his rebuttal, he, he says inflammatory things saying that the, the movie is being promoted by climate deniers. So he's also tugging at emotional heartstrings there, because those of us who care about the climate would be appalled if Breitbart was supporting the movie. But the movie is not a climate denier by any means. It acknowledges that climate change is a huge problem. It's true that it doesn't offer any solutions to that. So I would say that Planet of the Humans was very emotionally affecting. It is worthy of examination, it is worthy of careful thought and debate. And it is important that the questions that it brings out are considered. I will continue to support the Green New Deal that is supported by Naomi Klein, who wrote this excellent book called The Burning Case for the Green New Deal by Naomi Klein. This copy was autographed for me by her when I went to see her talk about it, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I also admire, supports the Green New Deal, and the concept of it is important, because we do need to transition away from fossil fuels. Although in the process, 
we need to be very careful about what resources are used to produce the green energy. And other aspects of the Green New Deal are extremely important as well, as far as how do we take care of the workers as we transition away from green energy to green energy, transitioning away from fossil fuel energy. And how much fossil fuel is being used to produce green energy is an important question brought up by this film. So let me pivot here to green energy. And more specifically, the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is an important initiative and many aspects of it have already been adopted by the Biden campaign for president. The Biden campaign is right now the presumptive campaign for the Democratic nominee for president who will in likelihood at this point be the only alternative available at the ballot box to get Donald Trump out of the presidency. And that is of key importance because Donald Trump is the greatest danger to our country right now and potentially to the world. And as far as every single position that he takes, it is undemocratic, it is anti-environmental, it is anti-humanist, because Donald Trump cares about one thing, that's Donald Trump, and that's it. So for those of us who are not enthusiastic, to say the least, about Joe Biden's qualities as a candidate, and I was a vociferous supporter of Bernie Sanders the entire time that his campaign went on and since 2016, for those of us who have argued against Joe Biden for that entire time, it is a bitter pill to swallow if he becomes the Democratic nominee for president. And yet I will be supporting if he continues to be the Democratic nominee if he winds up to be the only alternative, the only viable alternative on the ballot come November to Donald Trump, then I'll vote for him because he is a figurehead that can be influenced. Unlike Donald Trump, who cannot be influenced by any humanitarian concern, who will only suppress any humanitarian efforts on anyone's part. At the same time, it is my fond wish that Joe Biden drop out of the Democratic campaign for the nomination as the presidential candidate. For many reasons that I've already gone over, his history of supporting the prison industry, which discriminates against minorities, to being against the right to choose of women, to uh, supporting policies of free trade that caused a lot of job loss in this country, and many other shortcomings that Biden has had over his career, as well as 
the currently explosive allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault that have come upon Joe Biden. And the fact that the Democratic establishment is not taking those accusations as seriously as they did when they went after the nomination of Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court seems to be an indictment of the sincerity of the Democratic establishment in fighting against the abuse of women in particular, and sexual assault and sexual harassment. As Mehdi Hassan said in his podcast on The Intercepted, if you are only against sexual harassment and sexual assault and only take it seriously when it's against Republicans, but then not when it's against Democrats, then you're not seriously against these allegations. They should take the same approach that they did in the Kavanaugh hearings, where they insist on an investigation and they insist on releasing all pertinent records about it, not go into blanket denials and the standard rebuttal to accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment, which is to discredit the accuser. Let's get all the information out. Joe Biden has personal papers at the University of Wisconsin that are sealed and that he has refused to release. Let's look at those. One of my Facebook friends put up a link to MeliaBiden.com which is a website dedicated to unearthing the potential cover-ups that Joe Biden has engaged in throughout his career, dating back to the tragic car accident that killed his wife, in which he multiple times stated that the truck driver was drunk when there's no evidence whatsoever no charges were ever brought against the driver. It appears that there was a cover-up there. So, yes, I question Joe Biden's honesty. In his debate with Bernie Sanders, where Bernie Sanders said, Joe, my friend Joe, you said that you would cut Social Security and Medicare. You would stop raising the cost of living adjustments to Medicare, you would freeze Medicare. Joe Biden just outright lied. He said, no, I never said that. Biden said, I never cut Medicare. I never said that I would cut Medicare. At which point Bernie Sanders said, really, really? Said to the audience, go check, check the YouTube, which is Sanders' interpretation of check YouTube, because if you do go to YouTube, you will see clips from the 70s. Joe Biden saying, straight up, I think that everything should be on the table to cut the budget, including, and he said that includes, he named Medicare and Social Security. He named those two programs. 
So he outright lied. So Joe Biden has lied. And then we have this situation now where the Democratic establishment has to get behind Joe Biden. They have to, they have to rally around him. And for instance, there was a article that by, and I'm trying to look up the article. I apologize for my, my hesitancy here. It was a tough day. You know, watching that documentary, Planet of the Humans, was emotionally draining for me. But yes, now what happens is that the potential nominees for Biden's vice presidency, and he said that he would nominate a woman, are put in that difficult position of defending him against accusations of sexual assault. And and they basically say, this is Joe Biden. Now, I'm getting a call right Hello. now Nancy from Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Right now. Because he's, well, she's having... Press one to listen to conference call. Because she's having a online... You are joining a live conference already in progress. Please be aware... An online town hall meeting. may leave your line open for up to 32... This is the third online town hall. Please press zero... I just press zero you have been placed in line to ask because the speaker a question. I want to ask the speaker a question. So she's talking on this on this virtual town hall right now. Nancy Pelosi, my representative here in San Francisco. I have a personal question about that, which is when are my unemployment benefits going to get extended? Because they haven't been. And there's no one available to talk to at the unemployment office either. Can't get through to anybody. All I can do is check the website every day. The CARE Act says that people who have existing unemployment claims that have run out of benefits for the year will get a 13-week extension, but I haven't seen that. Waiting for it. There are many other people in my boat. Not as many people who have new unemployment claims not as many as that, because the new unemployment claims are in the millions. Those of us who are already unemployment were just the regular number of unemployed people. So maybe we're not at the front of the line for this. I have not gotten any response from Nancy Pelosi's office. There's a surprise. I do support what she's doing for the most part. And I'm glad that our representative is the Speaker of the House because that's sure better than a lot of others. She really knows what she's doing there. We need a very experienced political operative to be fighting for us in the House. And that's Nancy Pelosi right now, which isn't to say like a lot of people, she doesn't have a lot of downsides, and certainly she's not as progressive as her constituency here in San Francisco by any means. But she, her role is bigger than that, and I acknowledge that. She's the Speaker of the House. Her role is bigger than just this constituency. Her role is 
to support our interests nationally, the interests of the progressives nationally. And yes, nationally, she is a progressive. Although by San Francisco standards, she's not as progressive. Nationally, she certainly is. So I support what she's doing, but I am disappointed that she's not really there for us as a congressional representative who had maybe less national responsibilities might be. Well, what else has happened in the world here? Oh, speaking of liars, we've got the Secretary of State lying through his teeth constantly with supporting this ridiculous conspiracy theory that the coronavirus, COVID-19, was created in a laboratory, which just flies in the face of Occam's razor when you take into account that there are hundreds of naturally occurring viruses constantly in nature that are always in the process of mutating into new viruses, and they don't have to be produced in a laboratory. So somehow, this one virus out of all of them is the one that's laboratory produced. Well, hey, I'm going to cut short my podcast today, stop at a half an hour, and join this online meeting with Nancy Pelosi. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next Wednesday at 5 o'clock.